Hang in there, idiot. Smiley Kaufman for 61. Wow. I'm Smiley Kaufman, and this is The Smiley Show. Welcome to the show. I am Charlie Holm. Hugh, I think I'm Charlie Holm now. I think I'm officially Charlie Holm now. He is, of course, Smiley Kaufman. And Smiley, we made it. It is officially Ryder Cup week. Could not possibly be more excited for the week that's in front of us. Uh, you, of course, are over in Rome. Uh, I mean, at, at the time recording, you're not in Rome. As I'm looking at you, you're in Birmingham, Alabama. But by the time this, this episode drops, you will be in Rome. So, like, let's just get a temp check. Like, how fired up are we to, to see what's about to go down uh, at Marco Simone? Man, I'm pumped. Uh, it's it's kind of odd. Uh, for the first time watching, you know, Ryder Cup or President's Cup where, you know, I typically would always be cheering for the USA like to like the nth degree. But now like this week, I don't really care who wins. I just hope it's as close as it possibly can be for TV. So I, it's kind of an odd, <laughs> odd deal for me. And the fact that I'm just so used to like putting on the stars and stripes and and just use USA just all into it. And yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it, I'm pumped, man. It kind of seemed like a make believe event for so long because we've been talking about it for so long. Look at you, man. Just vet broadcaster already rooting for the best TV outcome. You just really <laughs> love to see it, man. Uh, it, it, you, you, you're hitting two, at least two of, of the broadcaster bingo card where you're completely talked out from previews from all the podcasts we've done this last month and you're rooting for the best <laughs> TV outcome. So congrats to you. Love seeing the progress. Um, as you, as you, the listener or, or the viewer, if you're watching this on YouTube, probably know already this, these are, this is the first of two special sort of collab episodes we're doing with uh, Beef Johnston, uh, a winner on the European tour, a recipient of Smiley's FaceTimes uh, after some degree of alcohol had been consumed. Um, and so we're collaborating with his podcast, Beef's Golf Club. So any highlights you want to note for, for the listening audience, what we're about to dig into, what you're about to dig into with Beef? Well, I mean, I would say besides my conversation with Beef, um, I really think Padraig Harrington brought a lot to the mm, table. Mm -hmm. He he added some really cool perspective and he's always been a guy that has been very interesting to listen to. But for me, he said some things that kind of made me think and, uh, and it kind of changed my perspective a little bit about some of the, some of the ways I looked at certain things in this entire lead up and preview for the Ryder cup. So interesting always to hear it from somebody who's been so involved with the event over the years and how much it means to them. You know, it's uh, uh, I think about it all the time, how this event is. It's not for any money. It's not for anything other than just just pride history and, um, you know, just being on a team and uh, wanting to beat the guys in front of you. So I I, I would say Padraig uh, was really cool. But, you know, beefs, man, he's he's just hysterical, man. Like him and I going back and forth. It was just a, the camaraderie definitely has always been there, but definitely felt the good vibes, uh, with beef, uh, in both episodes. Yeah. You really love to see the team USA team Europe, the, the, the guys that should be, you know, pitted against each other. And there's a little bit of that in this episode too, but love, love seeing the chemistry there. Of course, Podrick was fantastic. Uh, looking forward to you all, uh, hearing the snippet of this conversation, but yeah, just, if, I mean, you're, of course you're here, you're subscribed to our podcast, the smiley show, or, or if not go and do that right now, but a, a few notes on, on beef's golf club. So in, in this podcast, Beef is creating the Dream Golf Club with British comedian John Robbins, where absolutely anything is possible, or at least according to the script that's sitting in front of me. Uh, every week, they discuss a different topic in the world of golf. They share hilarious stories and ideas from listeners, celebrity guests, pro golfers, et cetera, et cetera. And I think the big piece here, anyone is welcome at Beef's Golf Club, no matter how good or bad your golf is. So go right now, subscribe to Beef's Golf Club. You can see their version of the pod there. And you're, of course, listening to ours here. Uh, so without further ado, let's get to Smiley and Beef's Team Europe Ryder Cup preview. So guys, today we are collaborating with a very special podcast, The Smiley Show, which means, of course, I'm joined by PJ Tour winner, commentator, and just all-round top guy, Smiley Kaufman. How are you, mate? Beef, my man, <laughs> what's the word? <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I mean, this, is, this has been long overdue. I mean, 
Uh, I feel like you and I are spirit animals on different tours, you know, like <laughs> we kind of carry the same, the same flag, you know what I mean? Just the, uh, we're the golden retrievers of each tour. I think it's a good way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to, I don't understand that. Tell me, what does that mean? Do, do you, are you familiar with golden retrievers? I know it's a dog. Yeah, it's a dog. And typically their personality <laughs> is, uh, very happy, happy, go lucky, you know, just, uh, really typically always a smile on their face, kind of every, you know, happy to talk to whoever. And I think, uh, that's kind of our personalities. We're, we're definitely more golden retriever than we are, uh, a mad German shepherd, I would say. So <laughs> that's, that's typically us too. I mean, we always get a smile on our face and, uh, we love to have a good time most importantly. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And there was a history of a few good times. Oh gosh. there. <laughs> Well, I mean, all right. So, I mean, we're on different time zones for the most part, you know, it's six or seven hours, depending on where I am in the United States and same with you and your travel. And it all started you and I, first off, our relationship really between um, who caddied for me, Will Davidson, and he caddied for you for how many years did Will caddy for you? It was wow. Yeah, it was good. Two years. Yeah. Yeah, but you were playing like some of your best golf with Will, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. He was he was the link. I used to love Will. Do you know what? Every time we'd play a bunch of tournaments, he'd go back. He'd always bring me something back. Generally, it was either some like beef jerky, some kind of moonshine. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. All, all types. Barbecue rubs. Yeah, he was always oh. bringing me some wicked stuff back over, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and... And I think when you and I would communicate outside of Will, it would be on FaceTime. And typically when we were, would be at the bars at like two or three in the morning and it was, it didn't matter if it was, you know, nine in the morning or whatever time it was, you were picking up the phone and I was picking up the phone and we were just going to let each other have it, you know, just like, what's up, man? Like, what do you do? It's like, I just woke up, I'm drinking coffee. What are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm out with the mates, man. Just pints a bit I mean that's I mean that's how it went for I mean how many years did we do this like every other month honestly honestly I used to like the phone used to go off and I used to see it was your number and be like oh I know what time it is I know what's going on exactly know what's going on there was never a time you called and picked up the phone and just went how you doing mate you're right how's everything been it was was just <laughs> and a lot of t- you know who got in on it was it was anytime I was with JT or Jordan um and Ricky at times too anytime we had a couple too many it was like no brainer we're calling beef and we're just yelling <laughs> beef even if like the room was so loud we, we couldn't hear you we would just scream at you for like two minutes and then we'd hang up <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it was literally that I just <laughs> <laughs> why i never hung up earlier i just used to watch it and think like all right they're done now and that was it gone yeah it's like what are they even doing tonight yeah but you would have too like it was definitely it was a two-way street and uh, i was always happy to answer the phone and uh it was yeah good times and one of my actually one of my best friends he was a like a as big of a beef supporter as there ever has been and he kind of felt like so shane lowry was kind of his his guy on the european tour until you came around he's like hold on okay, I like beef more because he like meats, he like meats more and he likes cooking stuff. So he's like, all right, that's my guy. And then the Arby's partnership <laughs> came about and now he was like, wait, okay, beef dude from England's got an Arby's sponsorship. Like, hold on, what's the deal here? So for Halloween, and this is probably five years ago, he was you for Halloween. And I don't think you've ever seen this picture before. Are you ready for it? Yeah, go on, show me. I've got to see this. I mean, look at that. Look at the beard. Look at the Arby's. Okay. I mean, like, (laughs) these are two guys cut from the same cloth right here. I mean, these guys know, like, they know what they're getting at at Arby's. They're getting the Mott sticks. They're getting the, they're getting all the roast beef sandwiches, like the beef and cheddars. And I mean, you're an inspiration to my boy. I mean, this is, uh, it's my, one of my best friends we're talking about and, and you were his hero. I mean, he's pulled it off so well. I'm always considering doing a DNA test. Unfortunately, when we were at the bar that night, not none of the uh, I guess none of the chicks knew. It was like, what 
who are you? Like, what? <laughs> he's like, who are you supposed to be? He's like, oh, I'm beef. They're like, who? <laughs> Maybe like a, a, a guy or two would come up and be like, oh yeah, beef. Like, we love that guy. <laughs> But maybe uh, we need to we need to get the Arby's beef roots a little deeper here in Alabama, apparently, because it was uh, it didn't quite hit for him that night. But it was it sure was a great bit. (laughs) I can't believe you just absolutely done me like that. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, man. Well, yeah. Great times, man. Great times. We could do that for hours over uh, over a pint, if you will. Well, mate, apart from uh, all the legendary stories and times, it's Ryder Cup week. Heck yeah, baby. It's the Super Bowl. It's the Super Bowl. It is, yeah. And today, why don't we have a look into Team Europe, and then tomorrow we can dive into Team USA. Let's do it. What is the excitement like for you guys here? Obviously, you've just called it, yeah, the Super Bowl. It's the biggest thing, I'd say, in golf, right? Yeah. As well, it's the biggest thing in golf. The only kind of team game, apart from presidents, but the only kind of team game there is like this is it's amazing. It is. And I think match play in itself. I mean, these guys just get so pumped up. They're so out of their element. And I've talked to some sports psychologists, um, talked to players, and there's something about the Ryder Cup that brings the best out of guys. And I think the combination of match play, not having to necessarily be focused on you know, stroke play golf, typically you're kind of wound up. It's a 72 hole event and it's different when you're, when you're sitting there looking at one player or two players and it's a different format, you know, it really, you show up and it's, you just feel like you got to beat the guy in front of you and you feel like there's, there's a game within the game. You feel like experience can, can play a part. You feel like your partner, you know, there's, there's ways that, you know, we've seen like with Sergio Garcia over the, over the years, just the gamesmanship, the game within the game. And I, I think that is the coolest thing about the Ryder Cup that maybe a, you and I might be able to pick on up on. But like when you're watching on TV and you're like, wow, that guy's he's slow playing him right now. You know, like there's there's yeah. definitely things that happen at the Ryder Cup. But, you know, as far as just the United States go and, and how, or just how you look at the Ryder Cup, you know, the Masters has always been number one. But I don't think Ryder Cup, I think the Ryder Cup's probably pretty close at number two because it's such good quality TV and it's just, it's a different atmosphere. It sounds different. It sounds like a football game or football game where you're from. And it just, just the atmosphere is just unmatched. Yeah, definitely. I've explained it in that situation where it is like, usually when you play a golf tournament, the crowds kind of, they'll have like their favorites, but they'll support everyone. If come, someone comes and makes a birdie, everyone's cheering, right? It's a good shot. But this is one of the only few where, yeah, there's going to be a bigger cheer depending if you're going to be playing in Europe or America for the certain teams. It's a completely different context of, it's the closest thing to that kind of football. Your football, my football is the closest thing. Yeah, for sure. You you know a lot of the guys who are going to be teeing it up, um, few of the guys really well as well how how will they be going into this week feeling mate well just the american guys that i know i mean i think i think there's a level of comfort in knowing what eat what first off what they're going to get out of themselves but knowing what they're going to get out of their partner i don't think there's going to be a stage of of necessarily freaking out in a big stage you know a lot of times these players talk about how nervous they get on the first tee how nervous like they can be throughout the day. But I think with how much these guys have played with each other, I think there's going to be a lot of confidence between some of these pairings that they have. You know, we're talking Scotty Scheffler and Sam Burns. These are two of their, you know, they've played junior golf together their entire life. And uh, same with Jordan Spieth and JT, Patrick Cantlay and Xander Shoffley. So we have some automatic pairings that I think as far as how they're prepping and, and getting in ready for the week, I think there's just this level of comfort knowing what they're going to get out of their partner. We're from the Europe side. I'm I'm curious from your opinion. There's not necessarily like this this obvious pairing on, on the team Europe that I just I look at the sheet and of all 12 guys and I said, yeah, I could see them playing with them. I could see them playing with them. But there's no like just set in stone pairing like we know we're going to get from the U.S. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think I, I think you'll see. 
definitely looked on like the parents they'd have been thinking about a lot I know I've heard they've done a lot of sort of stats and work on on pairings and who who's going to play together obviously they're going to have a good idea but there's there's none where you could have picked them sort of three pairings straight away six months ago as soon as they made the mm. Ryder Cup wherever it is you knew exactly what there is I think there'll be a sort of a little bit more sort of tinkering around with the pairings mm. and they've definitely got a Luke's obviously got to try his best to get them get them right for the Ryder Cup but you look how many good players are in form for Europe oh goodness it's endless right now yeah there's a hell of a lot of good players um, in great form at the moment and I think that's what makes this Ryder Cup so special I think both teams are are so strong if you're going to look on paper you probably say America's slightly stronger on paper mm-hmm. I think you know, look at the form side of Europe it's in Europe I just got a feeling this is going to be an absolute classic I really do I can't I, I people have asked me who do you th- who's going to win this who would you put a bet on and I was like I don't have a clue honestly just sit back and watch this one I think it's going to come down like the last match yeah yeah 100%. Well, and you you just kind of referenced the form Team Europe has been in. And we kind of, before the BMW uh, Championship tea times came out, we saw all 12 of, of Team Europe uh, players were playing at the BMW. And I thought it was really smart first for the DP World Tour to pair all the guys together Thursday, Friday. And then the fact that none of them missed the cut, and then they had seven top 10s. And I know it stretched a little bit past 10, but still... I mean, that's the form you're referencing, but do you think there's a, I, I kind of think as a player, when you get to see all your guys playing together in a tournament right before, to me that as a player, that just seems like that means something. The fact that they all kind of got to see each other play live a week before. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I think you you can tell from the offset that yeah, Europe are going for this. They're really going for it. They know how strong the American team is and they're going for it and they're going to throw everything they've got and see what any any kind of... There's no stones unturned in this. There's literally no stones. They come into There's no stones. They can't afford to, I mean, with, with the team you guys have. So yeah, as I said, they're playing together. This... I mean, I'm just, honestly, I'm just buzzing, mate. I'm absolutely buzzing for this one. I really am. I just, I keep thinking about, yeah, the pairings, the the games that could, the matches, the matchups you could have. And it's off the chart. I think we should have a little chat about the Team Europe. Yeah. Um, this is what the team looks like. The automatic qualifiers, Rory McIlroy, John Rahm, Tyrrell Hatton, Victor Hovland, Matt Fitzpatrick, Bob McIntyre. There were the automatics and then Luke, Donald's picks were Tommy Fleetwood, Nikolai Hogard, Shane Lowry, Justin Rose, Sepp Straka, Ludwig Aberg. And there's one there, which we both don't know too much about, is Aberg. Mm. Yeah, no, it's... That's a... Uh, as far as this team has been put together, you know, if you would have told me back in March, what would Team Europe look like? I would have said... Well, you know what? They're going to have some really nice stuff at the top. Just depends on, you know, how well their four or five, six guy play, because they feel like they're going to have to ride, you know, eight players or so to win this Ryder Cup. But as the months have come on, as we've talked about, this team has really rounded into form, not only with with just like overall top talent, but it's the back half of the lineup that Europe hasn't had as far as just the young talent. And we saw a glimpse of that a couple Ryder Cups. We saw it um, back in at Medina with Thomas Peters. He was a young guy that Darren Clark took a chance on. And then we saw it with Padraig Harrington taking Victor Hovland, who was, I believe he qualified, but still he was a young star that that was totally, you knew it was going to be an, um, an up and coming big time player. But now we have a couple more guys entering the fray and, and a guy like Nikolai Hoygaard and talking about uh, Ludwig Aberg. I, I don't really know much about their games because I haven't seen them play. So have you played with these two guys yet or no? I No, I've never played with them. I've seen Hoygaard a few times and um, spent time with him and his brother. And again, I think, I think you'll see him go into the four ball in the first day. I think um, he hits it a long way. And I think if he... 
if he plays well, obviously he's good. He, he has that opportunity to make a lot of birdies, yeah, and be aggressive. Same as Bob McIntyre as well. I'd say Bob's kind of similar there. Like, I think he's going to be a player where it really surprised the Americans as well. He He's a player that I can already see won't back down. I've played with him a couple of times. He will not back down from taking a shot on or his sort of mid-range putting when he gets going can be deadly as well. So I think he's going to be a real surprise in this Ryder Cup. That's that's super interesting you talk about the mid-range putting because when I look at that at Team Europe and why I think if they win, I think it's going to be because of their putting. When I look down the list, there's only a couple weak links with the putter and and we've seen Tommy Fleetwood have good weeks with the putter. I would say that's probably his biggest issue right now is not being able to quite hold those those big putts to win tournaments, but I can look on the on the USA team and think, wow, they they got some guys that aren't putting very good. Where I feel like this Europe team's got some putters. Would would you tend to agree with that? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, they're stacked stacked with good putters in this European team. You look at John Rahm, Hatton, um, Fitzpatrick, McIntyre, Lowry. If he gets going, I mean, yeah, there's some serious. Um, Putters there and good players. Just Rose too, man. Justin like he, Rose. When he when he's putting good, it is stupid. I just love his 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 putting action too. Sepp's a good putter. Just he's first off, he's the only guy on Team Europe with a, with a Southern draw. I can tell you that right now. He's <laughs> he is he is a Georgia boy. He he lives about five minutes away from my house. And seeing him in play for Team Europe, it's it's kind of weird in the fact that I know his parents and he was born in Austria, but still. To me, he's a Georgia Bulldog. He's an Atlanta Braves guy. It's just kind of odd to see him over here, but he's a heck of a player that I know Luke Donald's happy to have. I didn't realize. I didn't. I knew he was born in Austria. I didn't realize he spent most of his life in the states. Yeah, next yes. door to you as well. <laughs> well, that's he. He uh, he met a girl, um, and she went to Auburn, and then they moved uh, here in Birmingham. So they, yeah, they're. They we literally have the same area code. <laughs> You're living in a place at the moment called Birmingham. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Say it again, just so I can hear it. Just how do you how do you pronounce it? Birmingham. Birmingham. Yeah, no, I live from. I live in Birmingham. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say they're spelt the same. Yeah, they are spelt the same, and sometimes we call it Beham. We call it the Ham. Uh, I have not heard anybody call it Birmingham. <laughs> no way. Well, you wouldn't understand if someone actually from Birmingham said they were from Birmingham. You would literally have no idea what they're saying. Well, I could tell them I saw Peaky Blinders. Does that help? <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Exactly. So we've actually got something in common because Beef's Golf Club is in Birmingham. Okay. So it's in Birmingham. So what does that mean? Yeah, so it's, yeah, that- it's based like y'all, if I write you a letter, that's where it ends up or what? 100%. You're from Birmingham. Beef's Golf Club's in Birmingham. I mean, what a thing in common that is. I mean, we need to like print the t-shirts, right? Like, like it just, <laughs> you know, the shaking hands emoji with Birmingham and Birmingham or, Bur- or maybe even like spell it the way we spell it. And uh, yeah, I think that's a t-shirt waiting to happen, right? Do you ever have things? I know they have it in like England and in Europe where they have like sort of, if you're driving in the countryside, they might have sort of like a a partner from a French town and it'd be like, a, they, they're kind of like a, a partner and you would see this like little sign saying, I don't know what exactly it says, but it'd be like Cornwall so-and-so partnered with another French town or whatever. What's it called, Ryan? It's called Twinned With. Twinned with, yeah. So you'd see a town, and it might be a little town in England, twinned with a town from like France or somewhere else in um, Europe or another place in England. Maybe it should about. be Birmingham twinned with Birmingham. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe they're the so. t-shirts. <laughs> maybe so, but I mean, from what I've seen in Peaky Blinders, I, I don't really see the resemblance. Uh, but <laughs> maybe, maybe uh, there is some. But uh, speaking of driving down the road, I I drove from. Let's see, the Scottish Open to Liverpool for the Open Championship this year. And when I say drove, I, it's a, my first time driving on the other side of the road and the other side of, you know, driving on the right <laughs> side of the car versus the left. And you first off, y'all's y'all's two way roads, they're entirely too small. And I felt like I was going to die every single time a car was coming from the other way. I would have to slow down. So if the speed limit was whatever. I'm going 30 underneath it, just gripping the steering wheel 10 and 2 as hard as I possibly can to try to not get hit by this oncoming car. And 
it was and I kept looking the wrong way too because I'm used to looking right always but now I'm looking left for my cars and it was driving on the other side of the road over there it was it was it freaked me out so bad it's yeah mate I'm not surprised it's so different like I my my experience here when you get out and you see it in America in the first time and you're sitting in a car that's the size of a bus and there's six lanes and you've got all this space yeah compared to that i'm not surprised you absolutely shit yourself <laughs> wait no, I, i'm actually thinking do, my lift my looking left or my looking right uh, i just i think i got this confused but whatever Wh- whichever way is the correct way i got confused with it over there because i'm looking i was used to obviously looking the way i have my whole life over here oh man i think we could drift off quite easily on conversations and topics mate <laughs> we're supposed to be speaking about team europe and we're speaking about making t-shirts <laughs> <laughs> let's bring it back to golf i think um there was sort of a not an uproar a bit of a bit of chat about lowry getting picked what do you think about that i thought shane lowry was the correct pick i think uh what he brings to the table is is a guy that that the PGA tour players in team USA is super familiar with, and they know exactly what they're getting out of Shane. I think if, for instance, if, if Adrian Morocco was picked, I think the United States would have felt comfortable going to play Adrian Morocco. And that's nothing against how good of a player he is. But I think just knowing that Shane Lowry has won an open championship, won so many times on the, on the DP world tour and, and as well as the PGA tour, I think, you know, what type of player you're getting in Shane. And I think that's super important when it comes to this Team Europe. You know, you already were going to take Ludwig Aberg and you end up taking Nikolai Hoygaard. Now, if you go and leave Shane Lowry off the list and, and you take Adrian Moronk, there's another first-timer for Luke Donald. And not saying that that the difference of play might be crazy different, but you have Bob McIntyre, who's a first-time player as well. I just think experience, when you're talking about just a guy that maybe a, a rookie might be able to uh, a rookie for the Ryder Cup might be able to play with. I think that I think that means something when you're talking about the last pick uh, or one of the later picks for uh, for Luke Donald's team. Yeah, I thought he the last Ryder Cup as well. He he played really well, and you could show he was a player that sort of fronted up mm. against the crowd and everything like that. So yeah, playing a home one, um, I personally would have picked him as well. Yeah, um, yeah, from I previous agree. experiences, hundred percent. What other players? Would you say the U.S. team would be concerned about or players that would sort of be not licking their lips, but looking like I wouldn't mind facing that pairing or that player there? Well, I mean, obviously, I think the team Europe is so top heavy. And I think the middle of the lineup, you're talking about guys like Matthew Fitzpatrick and Tyrrell Hatton that need to really be in form for, I feel like, Europe to to really take that next step here. Um, to get to win this Ryder Cup. But when you're talking about guys are looking at, I mean, you got to go look at just, you know, guys who aren't quite as informed. You know, Justin Rose is a guy that I think guys will be happy to play against, even though they know exactly what they're getting. I think just as far as form goes, you know, Justin Rose has probably been lower on the totem pole compared to the rest of Team Europe. Ludwig Aberg has been on a rocket ship. I'm curious to see who he plays with. I don't I don't think any of the guys really know a ton about Nikolai Hoygaard. I really don't know I don't think they're I think they're going to be surprised at at how good he is. I think typically when you see a uh, a name that you've never seen before, you just don't have any expectations and um you expect for to go beat a guy you've never played with or played against, especially a young guy. Um and and just lastly, I would say Bob McIntyre would be another guy that they would think they would probably win against, but you, you made a good point talking about how fiery of a competitor he is, similar to kind of Brian Harmon and the fact that they're both good putters. I don't necessarily see a weak link on either team. I'm not trying to say that that either these any of these guys are weak links. I would just reference form and experience is probably the two factors I'm looking at. Yeah, 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 100%. Aberg being on a rocket ship, I mean, have you, have you seen him play? Because I know he's played a few events in the States. Have you seen him play? I've seen him play a little bit at the U.S. Amateur uh, last year at at uh, up in New Jersey, and I immediately, like, I, I was telling everybody in the compound, I was like, "All right, I I, I know who the three tour players are here," and Ludwig Aberg was one of them, and it was just so obvious his talent, just the what his golf ball looked like in the air. 
just the his size he just is an athlete you know he's not a um a, a guy that that you look at and you're like oh you know he's not just physically impressed he's he he really he looks the part and his talent matches up but man I, i'm really interested to see who he gets paired with because i see so much of of thomas peters in him in this Ryder cup as far as it let's say if ludwig aberg didn't you know, play so well like he did over the last month or so and win on the DP World Tour, I still think he was getting a pick. And, really? and that would have I, I do think Aberg gets a pick just with his upside that he brings. And I think a lot of people speculated that too, that he still might get a pick, even if he didn't win. And what the reason why I mentioned Thomas Peters is is that similar back to that Ryder Cup in Medina. Thomas Peters was well down the list. Like he was not like right on the cusp of making it. Darren Clark reached and grabbed him. He brought him onto the team. He said, you know what? Like you're talented enough to, to you've played against these guys. You know, exactly. Uh, we, we know what we're going to get out of you. And, and what he did was he paired with uh, Darren compared Thomas Peters with Roy McIlroy. And he went four and one that week. They only lost one match. Thomas Peters won his singles match. And I just see that trajectory with Ludwig Aberg. I just think that, to me, is is similar to what we might see with Aberg, whether he plays with Rory. I I still think you stick him with a top player. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. There was there was talks about him playing um, practice round. He took on a little match with. Um, he paired up with Victor Hovland. Mm. That <laughs> was. That's pretty good too. I, I've had Victor and Tommy Fleetwood pegged together in my head. Maybe I'm way off on that. They played two years ago in the Ryder Cup, but still, I, I I don't think that's a bad combination by any means. No, no, I think it's a great combination. Literally everyone who's had a word to say about him said, like you, said he's an absolute flusher of the golf ball and it's, it's obvious how good he's going to be. I was surprised. I thought he had to probably win. You think so? Switzerland to get in. I don't know. That's just the way I thought. I thought if I if I was in his shoes and I was thinking, obviously they've had chats and I go, if I if I win this event, I'm going to get a pick here. Yeah, you, you can't keep him off, right? Uh, no, no, you can't keep him off. And I think like, you know how hard it is to win an event. <laughs> and especially with the pressure on, right? Especially with the pressure on. I go, and well, if I win this, I've got one chance at this. It's not like he had sort of 10 events or five events. I've got one chance to make this Ryder Cup. That's how I would have sort of viewed it. It's pretty um, impressive. It's It really is. And I think it's a good natural progression as well. So he played under the lights and winning to basically play his way onto the team. But then last week, I think it was it was so crucial for him to play well and not only play well, but have a chance to win the golf tournament leading, leading going into Sunday. But as you know, you've played final groups and, and you know what it's like to try to win, win a big event. Do you think that event at the BMW Championship is going to be more of a hindrance as far as not closing and just being under the lights and not getting the job done? Or do you think that's going to even help him to propel him to heights at the Ryder Cup, knowing playing in front of big crowds and knowing what the big moment might be like? You can only tell, see what he does at the Ryder Cup. He looks he looks like a a player that's not going to be phased by much, where you might get another player who thought, and he might dwell on that. Yeah. Sunday at Wentworth. He might dwell on it and think, oh no, am I here? Am I good enough? I don't get that vibe from him. I think he'll just brush it off in his stride and crack on and get to the Ryder Cup and, and play. And I don't think he'd be a player that will sit and dwell on something like that at all. Mm. It, it just doesn't look like that type of player. Typically, the young guys, they, they get they kind of they don't really have the scar tissue yet. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like on to the next one. Right. Like, they just don't have any of the skins on the wall yet where they just they, they haven't failed enough yet. So they one failure is not going to make or break Ludwig Aberg, you wouldn't think. No, no way. And you get players like that. You look at you look at Brooks, you look at Kepka and stuff, the way he come out and talked about um, it was the Masters, wasn't it? Mm hmm. And then the way he just turns it around and brushes it off his shoulder and goes again and wins. I mean, yeah, you get players like that with mentalities. It's incredible. And I think he's going to be sort of in that same bracket where he just brush it off and go again. And I guess, mate, the only few we've really got to talk about, and we we know what we're going to get with these guys, is Rory, John Rahm, Victor Hovland, um, the superstars of the European team. Yeah, dude. I mean, we're talking about, I think, they, they the top of the lineup for Europe is better than the top of the lineup for the United States. And to me, it's not even close. I mean, all year I have felt the four best players in the world have been Scotty Scheffler, 
Ori McIlroy, John Rahm, and uh, Victor Hovland. And to me, I thought Victor Hovland even would bounce even higher than that at times because I, I do see that just from the experience from John Rahm, you know, he played with Sergio Garcia quite often in these Ryder Cup settings. So he's got a little bit of that, that the Spanish gamemanship. He knows kind of just some lessons that he probably have learned from the all-time Europe-leading Ryder Cup getter of Sergio Garcia. So you know his game's going to match typically what you get out of John Rahm. But still with John, I think a lot of people forget that at Whistling Straits, everybody remembers the blowout. But nobody remembers that John Rahm could not be beat that week. And he played four matches. He was 4-0. He gets to that final match on in the singles. And at that point, he's he's totally gassed. Plays Scotty Scheffler, who we just didn't realize at the time Scotty Scheffler was just an unreal player. He was the last guy picked similar to a, a Ludwig Aberg or a Nikolai Hoygaard. And Scotty Scheffler goes on to have a big year. But as it pertains to Rory, John, and Victor, I just think... Those three guys, you can't have two of those three guys play bad. Like you, yeah. you have to have, you have to have at least two of those guys in form, right? Like if they're going to win, I just don't see how, how Rory and, and John Rahm play anywhere close to mediocre or bad and, and Europe gets the win. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, they've, they've, you've got to be thinking they've got to pick up them three sort of eight to 10 points between them something like that maybe um unless they're yeah. playing together yeah, which i don't think they necessarily will i'm not a math will. guy but that sounds right i'm all, i'm not going to check the math it sounds right <laughs> and i would, <laughs> I would expect them to play most near, uh, every game pretty much maybe maybe bar one here or there but i think they'll play most games obviously yeah would you say it's rory the most feared of the American group, but I, I, I guess knowing the American team, they'll be one of they'll all be wanting to play him, right? Well, I would say Rory's is definitely the most feared if he plays to you know Rory's capabilities. If Rory shows up and is struggling inside of ten feet, I don't think any of the guys are going to fear him. But if Rory's making putts inside of ten feet, it's going to be he's going to be a nightmare to try to beat. I just think because of the energy that he brings from the crowd. And how good of a ball striker he has been this year and some of the shots that I've seen him hit, it's going to be just difficult to get any momentum against against Rory. You're going to really have to outclass him as far as ball striking goes. And it's very difficult to do that. I mean, if you've seen Rory play, it's it's stupid when he gets going. And if you catch a hot putter with him, you know, it's it's going to be it's going to be tough to beat him. Yeah. 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 Very. Very wise there, yeah. It's all about if he knocks them in. But yeah, I've seen him. I've seen him play play with him a couple of times, and it's it's ridiculous. It's dumb. It's dumb. Yeah, yeah. Well, mate, I think we've covered the European team really nicely there. Let's have a little break, and let's bring on our special guest, mate. Well, smiley, mate, we've pulled in an absolute legend for the game for a quick chat. Three-time major winner, six Ryder Cups. Former European captain, how you doing, Padraig Harrington? What is going on, mate? Yeah, it's all good with me. I'm actually, uh, I've got a couple of weeks off and I'm getting quite excited about the Ryder Cup. Oh, 100%. Ryder Cup week is something special. You've been there six times. <laughs> what are the feelings like going into a Ryder Cup week? A lot of stress. I think, uh, you know, as a player and I look back, Obviously, everybody carries a different type. I would have been a stressful enough individual and, and the intensity required during the Ryder Cup week, you know, in many ways, I'd burn myself out uh, a lot of Ryder Cup weeks. So I think once I became a vice captain, captain, you get to sit there and see a lot of this and you understand you, your job is to have, try and dissipate that, to try and give make the players as comfortable within themselves as you can during the week. And a lot of that is, is actually just giving them more information. You know, I can remember going back to my first Ryder Cups. You were guessing if you were going to play. You were guessing who you would play with. You know, it was like a secret. Now, it's kind of full circle. We, you know, with pod systems, you, you, you're pretty much guaranteed you're going to play with three players during the week. You're going to be told in advance whether you're likely to play foursomes or four ball. And that will only change if 
I don't know, can I say shit hits the fan? It will only change if things go wrong. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and and of course they do, they do. Some things do evolve, but I think the biggest key that has changed in the Ryder Cup over the years is players. And, and this is probably what, what would have gotten Tiger's head a lot early on in his career. Tiger likes a lot of control. You know, he gets those, you know, six o'clock, 6 a.m. Uh, practice rounds. He's off the golf course by nine. You know, he's in the gym, he's doing this. At the Ryder Cup, you know, he has to play a practice round for six hours, you know, on a Tuesday from 10 o'clock to four o'clock. You you always feel stressed, you always feel rushed. Nowadays, the teams are turning up in advance, getting a practice round in. So those practice rounds on, on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, they're nowhere near as important as they used to be. Players are told well in advance what they're doing, who, who they're likely to play with. So players are much more comfortable. And Padraig, question on just as a captain, how much did you go back and forth on pairings? Because I know that like two years in advance, you're starting to already think about who pairs up with who. But as it, as you lead up, let's say these guys that are captains this week, Zach Johnson and Luke Donald, how much in their head right now are they questioning? Do they have the right format and for the right guys? You know, is that something that, that you were super confident about going into the Ryder Cup? I, I, I definitely think you're, you, 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 you're pretty confident about what you're doing, especially the first day mm. uh, for foursomes and four ball. You, you want to get everybody out. You want to see how comfortable everybody is. So, so you could have supposedly a weaker player in the team. And if he, if he shows form the first day, you know, he's likely to play twice the second day. So this is how things can change. The second day is definitely more fluid and, and, and certainly Saturday afternoon is very fluid because you, you're looking to put out your strongest possible team Saturday afternoon, get as many points. But the first three sessions or the first two sessions, you're, you're building some momentum. You're, 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 you're feeling out how players are, are, are taken to it, how comfortable they are. Uh, so to, to, when you are very clear about your options, I, I think... You know, you know exactly who wants to play with who, who's, who can play with who, who's suited to play with who. And then within those boundaries, you're looking for the players that have hit the ground running, that are feeling comfortable, that are playing well. Uh, and, and probably the only doubt you would have, you know, when you get later on into that, that you know, maybe that Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, you know, do you play a player who's playing well, who's lost? Or do you play a, play a player who's not playing as well, but has won? You know, these these are the questions that, you know, that a captain and a vice captain has to make. You know, this is why a computer or AI is not running the show. You have to take it. Do you prefer a player who's just hard and wins a match no matter what? Or do you play play a player who's in great form and, you know, got unlucky? You know, that is the age-old question for me that I don't think can ever be answered properly. You know, like there's been plenty of players that would go, three, four matches and they got, they got unlucky. Well, you know, they lost. Whereas there's other players who got lucky or found a way. And, you know, that's probably the hardest part about being a captain is trying to decide which side you go on. Yeah, it makes so much sense. In terms of you captained, obviously Europe in America, how important is the home advantage going into Ryder Cups? Yeah, I, I do question that that arrogance of mine taking the captaincy in America. It just seems really difficult to uh, to win a away match. Uh, it you know, like even even now there was a little bit of talk. You know, I could have made this Ryder Cup team, and you know, when it was all said and done, obviously I, I I wasn't close in the end. But it was all said and done in my head. You know, well, oh, you know, maybe I'll make the next one. And then I was thinking, who wants to be? in Bethpage Black for the next Ryder Cup. Who would want that captaincy away from home? There is home advantage. There's home advantage in the setup. There's home advantage in the crowds. Uh, you know, eventually, you know, in 50 years' time, you know, maybe we'll have an Australian referee set up the golf course. But then the Australians are rooting for Europe anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Padre, let's talk about Team Europe, though. I mean, it seems like this lineup has gotten better and better as as kind of the weeks had gone on it felt like for a long time that this team europe was going to be lacking depth but as this team kind of got closer and closer getting picked it was kind of obvious who was going to be on this team do you think luke donald got it right yeah i I think the 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 team there was no surprise in the actual picking right at the end Uh, adrian mark wrong is a really good player was very unlucky to lose out but he was in that seat. He was in the 12th man spot. 
And 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 Nikolai Hogard, he played great golf. He did the exciting stuff, and that always happens. The guy sitting in the hot seat, you know, it's easy. That, that Nicholas did the show at the end. He played well at the end, and it, and unfortunately, as good as Adrian played all year, if you switched how he did it, if Adrian played well at the end, and and he would have been in. Uh, so it's tough, tough on Adrian, but it it happens every time. What I find interesting about the teams is, you know, two years ago after the loss of Whistling Straits. The world of golf basically said there's no point in Europe turning up again. You know, it would be 20, 30 years before Europe as a team capable of competing with this great American team. And here we are two years later and we're going, well, we've, we've you know, it's 50-50. Europe is very strong. And, we're, and in some way, we're back to the 80s where our best players are certainly holding the, the glamour of the game. Mm-hmm. You, know, yep. you know, obviously... Uh, you've got the world number one in, in Scotty, but you know Rory is the world number one in the terms of the hearts and minds of people. You know, so I know you know right. and, and our players. John Ram is a world top class player. You know that we have Victor Hovland, the form we have players that not are just at the top of their game. They also probably hold a little bit of the hearts and minds of the world of golf. So we're, we're, we're kind of back to our, our, our best in Europe from, from that 80s. There's a lot of excitement at the top. And that's not to say, the US is obviously very strong. They have lost a little because of Liv. There's no doubt we didn't lose like the US have lost, you know, not having DJ. DJ won five matches in a stroll in Whistler Straits. And I, I mentioned that earlier. It takes a huge mindset individual who can play the first four matches and win their singles. I, I would get too excited. You know, I'd be, I'd be too intense, but that's my nature. I, I'd be built up for each match that would take a little from the next match. And like for Dustin to be able to stroll through that, you're looking for characters like that in your team that are relaxed around everybody that just take it within their stride. So the US has lost a little bit. You know, you, we don't know with, with Dustin, we do, but with, Maybe with uh, DeChambeau, we're not really sure. But like when he was playing, he was a, some some player in 2021. Uh, Patrick Reed is obviously a, a, a you know the guy when it comes to the Ryder Cup Europe. I hate to say JT has kind of taken the Patrick Reed uh, position as far as Europe is concerned. You know, I, I think he, he's a bit of the impulsive that everybody going up against JT will want to beat him. And you you always know when you're sitting playing poker. The guy who's most successful at poker is the guy that everybody wants to beat because they'll make bad decisions against him. You know, they won't make logical, good decisions. So JT, if he performs, a lot could swing on JT at this Ryder Cup. If he performs, it's going to be tough for the Europe to take. They want to beat him and they, they want to see him as the weak link. So if he turns up and performs, that, that, that he could win the Ryder Cup. He could be the pivotal man when it comes to this Ryder Cup. Uh, either way, he could be the one that 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 causes the US to lose, or he could be the one that causes the US to win. Are you saying, mate, that literally when you're looking at the teams now, one person could swing this whole Ryder Cup like that? Uh, I'm not. I'm not saying it for sure, but I'm definitely thinking that everybody's looking at JT. Everybody is, you know, and, and and maybe, you know, going back over years, like we wanted to beat Tiger so badly. Europe, the US want to beat Poulter so badly. And, you know, Poulter's a perfect example. He mightn't have been the best player in the team, but the US just wanted to beat him so badly that sometimes, you know, he got the better of them. Uh, you know, it, 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 again, going back to that poker analogy, the guy that winds you up at the poker table is always the guy that you, you can't let bluff you and you see him the wrong time. And you, you make bad decisions against players like that. And I think JT Ryder Cup-wise, you know, has Europe, he, he, he has Europe's number. It really does. He, I, I've got to say, he's a great pick in that sense. He is the guy that Europe is looking at. He could, it, it could backfire in them. But he is the guy that Europe would have picked over the years because we know, hang on a second, this guy gets on the other team's nerves in the Ryder Cup. There's no doubt JT has us wound up in the Ryder Cup. We want to see him beaten. That's Europe's... He's got a target on the back for Europe. Mate, that is really interesting talking about JT, which I'm sure we'll chat more about Smiley going on for the US team. Oh, yeah. What I wanted to ask, mate, is the mornings of... The first morning of the Ryder Cup, 
especially as a captain, are you watching players if they're the same or if they're more nervous than usual? What are the mornings like and how's that first tee? I, I, I think you're watching it, but you're not, you know, you, you can't take anything from how they are before they play. You are very much watching how they react on the golf course. No doubt about it. Uh, we have seen in years gone by where partnerships have got changed on the Wednesday because players have been stressed out from, you know, just, you know, getting on somebody's nerves or just, you know, they're just too excited. But the reality is everybody's going to play the first day. It's a must. You must play all 12 players the first day and you are trying to establish who likes it especially from those rookies who is there to play who is who is with it who wants it who, who's excited by it so you, you're, you're watching for sure and, and that can be difficult not so much the first day because as I said you kind of have to set your whole day out the first day because you want to play all 12 but remember you're picking your afternoon partnerships halfway to two thirds the way through your morning so we have seen where players are doing okay and get picked for the afternoon and vice versa where players are doing badly but end up winning the match and all of a sudden they're not playing in the afternoon and people are home saying, oh, why aren't you playing them? And you go, well, I picked that, you know, an hour ago and he had his hat up to that. Okay, he's come strong. And, and then you, you're, but again, this is the first day you want to get a good start, but you're happy. If you were even after the first day and you have, you've got all 12 players out there, you've got a good idea how they're playing, you're going to be very comfortable. You're even comfortable if you're even after two days mm. and you've got everybody in a comfortable position going into the singles and you haven't overextended yourself. So, you know, I know you want to get in the lead, but as we saw back in Brookline in 99, if you, to get the lead of a couple of points, if you sacrifice your singles on the Sunday, it just doesn't work. You have to have a strong, fresh team coming into the singles on Sunday. You have to. You can't have your team burned out for Sunday yet. You know, you, you clearly you, you've got to be in the match too. You can't be going into that singles with a, you know, a four-point deficit, three-point is a lot to make up. I know it's been done, but it's a lot to make up. Mate, that is absolutely incredible insight to ride a cup week and what goes on and having that experience. Thanks so much for coming on. You're welcome, Beef. As you know, it's very important to Europe to ride a cup. The whole of the tour, whether you're a European-born player or an international player in Europe, it's the most important part of the, of, of the season for Europe just to give us that validity that we're a great tour, which sometimes we have a chip in our shoulder that we're, we're less than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. I've always said that it's... If you're teeing it up as a European, wherever the goal is to try and get into that Ryder Cup team, 100%. Mate, I love talking to Patrick there. Every time, the knowledge of that guy and the way his brain works, I could listen to him for hours, honestly. I'm with you, man. He's uh, he's he's all class. And every time he speaks, I, I feel like I just learned something. You know what I mean? Like, There's just certain guys that just that they say things and they make you think about it all day. And that's he'll it's every single time he speaks. I, I get that from him. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise. Likewise. He's, it is it's always so interesting speaking to him. And I think, I think the one thing, the last thing we haven't covered is the golf course. Do you know much about it? I, I I've just heard from this recent scouting trip from the guys that they said it would normally be a bomber's paradise, but they narrowed up the fairways from like two ninety to three ten. So really shrinking it in for the for the American team, which which is that I mean, to me, that's kind of felt like that's been the strategy of the European uh, setup. They typically they value fairways more so than than bomb and gouge and, and middle pins versus tight pins. It seems like it's more of an accuracy game over there in Europe. And does Marco Simone kind of fit fit that mold? Yeah, it's interesting. I played it a few years ago and I would say it's quite wide off the tee. But- so it does. Um, All right. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's it's quite wide off the tee, but obviously, yeah, they've prepped this, knowing exactly what they're prepping it for to try and use to their advantage. And again, if they can stop you guys bombing it down there and wedging it in <laughs> and cause you a few problems, yeah, it's gonna help. It's gonna help Europe, and it does have such an interesting part to play when you play home and away. Yeah. 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 The different Definitely. styles of courses and how they set up for for their group of players, it's um, it, it's got to be done, you know, and it's got to suit Europe to to have a chance of beating you guys this year, as well, along with the crowd. Mm. 
Yep. As well. Do the boys speak much about the crowd, about going over and playing in the crowds in, in the Ryder Cup in Europe? Have they said anything about that? I think everything I've heard is that they just reference. It's like, hey, Ryder Cup in the States is great. It's great to have the team behind. But Ryder Cup in Europe is a, it's a different level. They just said winning over there would be like that is all they've been really working towards over the last however many years since the last time they lost in Europe since Paris. I think Rome has been circled for these guys for so long. And, you know, this golf course, I think those guys going over there and seeing it, you know, just not being familiar with it was good for them to kind of get a get a peek at it. Because one of the things I picked up on was that it's extremely hilly. They compared it similar to Kapalua, which is one of our toughest walks in the PGA Tour. And if you're a guy that's played out there, I mean, if it was you, could you walk all five matches and feel comfortable with where your fitness was at at the end? I think, yeah, that can be tricky. You know, I think, I think with the hills, the problem is when you're in that environment and even like, I've never played a Ryder Cup, but you go, you go back into sort of like the old England days or playing for your country and stuff. You might play like five rounds in three days, six rounds in three days, but you don't realize how tired you are when you're actually in it. Mm, And I think that's going to be a big thing for Luke Donald to sort of check in with the players and make sure they're not looking too jaded. Yeah. Um, because yeah, if it was me, you just want to play, play, play and you get in that atmosphere, the adrenaline, but it's that, yeah, that next day, like a bit like, a bit like Harrington was saying, going into the singles, I'm fresh. The players might not even know that they're absolutely knackered before Luke Donald knows they're mm-hmm. knackered. So I think it's a case for the team to keep an eye on the players and, and, and check in. But I think from Europe side, there's definitely a few players who've got to play nearly every game. Uh, and that's the, that's the scary thing when it comes to this Ryder Cup. You know, if to me in my head, when I, when I talk about just physical and mental a grind. So these guys are going to, if you're going to play all five matches, you play 36 holes, two days in a row, and then an 18 hole match potentially to win the Ryder cup. So the physical challenge is there, you know, walking, walking that much golf is obviously going to be pretty difficult, but then there's the mental challenge. We're talking about just the, just the emotion that these guys are bringing out from one another and, and really just not refueling quite as much as they typically normally would in between rounds. So Come Sunday singles, we have, you know, we've seen it in the past, guys that have played all four matches and they get to singles and they're just gassed. And I think that's something to look out for this Ryder Cup in particular, just because the physical challenge is more difficult than past Ryder Cups. Yeah. Yeah. Without doubt. Without doubt. Um, It it will. I think it will really be a case of, yeah, the vice captains, captains sort of just saying that he looks a bit knackered here he looks tired here let's, <laughs> let's put let's pull him out for a game because we've got the singles especially if it's tight if you I, I don't think it'd be one where you want to be chasing Saturday afternoon trying to make up a few games and having to play players so it doesn't get too far stretched out mm, I think that yep. could be quite tricky looking at it that way but yeah hopefully they get the balance right but I know pretty much everyone in the teams will be putting their hand up on you you want to go there and play all five right I'd want to play exactly. all five exactly that's I, I just don't see how a, a captain would be able to tell if a guy's worn out or not you know because if a captain was coming up around me and I just got done with my morning match I would be as like as just, I mean, just walk around with my chest out, just peacocking, you know, like I would just be ready to go. <laughs> Mate, I think that was absolutely epic. Talking about Team Europe, I look forward to catching up with you tomorrow to discuss the US team. I'm looking forward to it, man. This has been a lot of fun. Well, there you have it. That is the first of your two-part preview, Smiley, with uh, Beef Johnston for the Ryder Cup. Uh, really cool hearing some insight from Padraig Harrington. And next up tomorrow, we got Team USA, which that was that was a, a lot of the same of preview, but we really had some kind of fun stuff that we closed the episode with. Any kind of teasers you want to drop for the audience to get them coming back tomorrow for that episode? No, definitely. You know, like just the episode we just uh, just had there with Europe. You know, there were some things that I picked up on from Beef that kind of surprised me about some of the players that I didn't really know as much about, and uh, some potential pairings, and and just some insight from Beef. And I think it was a little bit kind of that way with Team USA and the fact that I cover these guys week in and week out and know them uh, very well. So I kind of feel like there's definitely a little bit of knowledge on my part with these guys. But Beef definitely. Uh, 
he definitely brought it as far as some of the questions he had as far as the team USA goes. So it was it was a really good conversation. Was, um, we're talking about the uh, this next episode. Yeah, maybe a little uh, Justin Thomas prompt from Beef that's worth tuning in tomorrow to uh, get your uh, valuable insight on. So uh, thank you for listening or watching today and make sure to come back tomorrow for the second part of our collab with Beef's Golf Club. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you then. The Smiley Show is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast.